0: podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, AntiochCOS.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Let me bless uh, this time and we'll go ahead and jump into the message. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and honor and glory and today is a celebratory day. And Father, we do thank you. We, our hearts are overflowing with gratitude as we think and meditate upon all that you have done, all that you're doing, and all that you've promised to do. And Lord, we just adhere our hearts to you as we dive into this church practice called baptism. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read a few verses as you're doing that. Uh, You know, really, this is going to be maybe 15, 20 minutes, and I'm always hesitant to give a time frame because now I'm committed. But listen, we are going to do 15 to 20 minutes, and uh, I have four points I want to address. Um, There is so much that we could talk about when we look at baptisms. There, from the Old Testament on through the New Testament, there are many metaphors and pictures that help us to understand what baptism is and what it's doing and what it opens our hearts to as God is ministering to us in the practice of baptism. But I'm going to focus on four, and I am praying that it will equip us as a body, to participate, not just to witness or observe, but to participate with with what God is doing here in this house. Amen. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you, always to the very end of the age. The very first thing that we know about baptism is that God intended it, Jesus commanded it for us as his disciples. And so today we are going to be participating in obedience with Christ's command. This is not something that the church just thought up and said, okay, we're gonna, this is cool. No, this is something Jesus said, I need you to go and make disciples of all nations and I need you to baptize them. And when we hear that and when we understand that Jesus commanded this, then we can also understand that there must be something important that God is trying to instill and accomplish through this practice. One of the ways that we can begin to understand baptism is just looking at the word itself. The Greek word is baptizo, and it means a couple of different things. It means to dip repeatedly, to immerse or to submerge. Now, I'm not suggesting that we take people, uh, baptism participants, and just keep on dipping, and we're just gonna keep on doing it. You know, you're, are you clean? No, you know, no. Okay, we're not gonna do that. But what we, it does mean to submerge. It also means to cleanse by this submerging, uh, submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself or to bathe. In other words, to wash away dirt and grime. And finally, it also means to overwhelm. And honestly, when we look at the different metaphors throughout scripture, you really can see each and every one of these definitions come to life. The first one I think is this word cleansing. If we remember, we had a guest speaker, Dr. Chris Green, who came in and spoke a little bit about baptism. And he said said this very specifically. He said, baptism is a work of cleansing. If we turn to Titus chapter three, verses three through five, it says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated, and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous, the, uh, I'm sorry, of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, which is today baptism. What he's saying is, is that we were once living one way. That was for all intents and purposes, it was unclean even scripture discusses how even our righteous acts are as dirty rags before the righteousness of god and we are unable to cleanse ourselves we're unable to wash ourselves of this uh, of this of this grime and the sin and because of that we cannot draw near to god but god made a way god came in the form of jesus christ he took flesh on himself he was He died a brutal death. He, He was raised from the dead and brought forth life. And his blood, we know that his blood, it cleanses us. And baptism is a part of that work of cleansing. It gives form to the ministry of God. It's one thing to sit back and think, okay, God's blood cleanses me. But I think what baptism does, it's not just a symbolic act. But it's more than that. It gives form to God's active ministry in the work of baptism. I believe that when they get into this water today, that they are going to be dipped into that water. They're going to be submerged. And God will be doing a work of cleansing in them in this moment. That is the power of baptism. And we were helpless in our sin. Jesus provides a way. Baptism is a work of cleansing. And it's that work of cleansing. It, op- it throws open the doors. It, it removes all of the, 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 the boundaries, the barriers between us and God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is Jesus's body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. That sprinkling is a form of baptism, it's a picture of baptism, the work that is accomplished in baptism. We now, we don't, when you are baptized, it's a, it's a point by which you can say, I was cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I don't know about you, but as we walk through life, there are times when doubt will seep in. In the difficulty, when the storms are raging, doubt begins to seep in. Guilt and shame will try to keep you from entering in, but we can always look back and say, no, 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 I was baptized. Skipping forward in my notes, actually there's this great quote. Uh, There's an Anglican priest and he wrote this, I am baptized, apparently, Martin Luther, the great 16th century figure of the Reformation used to take great comfort from these words. When it seemed to him that the whole church had left the precepts of the gospel, when he was under scrutiny from church officials as to the truth of his belief, when his life was under threat and when he suffered self-doubt, he would boldly claim, I am baptized. We are gonna witness today the installation of a memorial that can become an anchor point for the rest of their lives and not for their lives only. Listen, we're not here, again, and I'm going to say this multiple times this morning, but we're not here simply as witnesses or observers, but this means something for you as well, that the work of God is overflowing from this baptismal tank to your life. We're reminded that the blood of Jesus overcomes all our sin and all our shame and all our guilt. There's no sin or shame greater than the cross and the work of Jesus. It means something for them, those being baptized, and it means something for us today. The second point is this. Baptism is a work of death for the old man and a resurrection for the new. In Romans 6, it says this. We What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might might walk in the newness of life. Just as Jesus suffered, died, and went into the grave, when you are being baptized into the water, you are being buried with Jesus. And then when you are being lifted out, you are being lifted out into a new life. A life of ongoing sanctification? Absolutely. A life of perfection? Hopefully, someday. <laughs> but it is a new life. I'm a different person. My very being is different. Charles uh, Charles Swindoll teaches in a book called Signposts Along Life's Journey that the root of the Greek word baptizo actually is the Greek word bapto. And this is an interesting word because it was a term used in the first century for immersing a garment first into bleach and then into dye, both cleansing it of its previous color and saturating it with the new color of life. This is what's happening when we get baptized. We are going under with the dead man, but we are coming up with the new man. One of the things I learned in college as we were studying this particular passage is when when Paul says, put the old man down. You know, he goes into this, he says, you need to put the old man down. There's this historical understanding that when people read that, they knew that when someone committed murder in the first century, the Roman government would take the body of the person that was killed and they would chain it to the murderer so that he could not get free from it. And what would end up happening is, is the, the rot and the death of that old body would seep into the body of the murderer. And eventually he would die of corruption. And so Paul's saying, listen, you put the old man down. And I'm, and I'm suggesting to you this morning that when we watch the baptism process, it is a cutting loose of the old man. There's no more corruption attached to my body. I can experience a new kind of life. Again, it's, it's like this. I was once, I was once dying in sin, but today no longer. Point number three. Baptism is a proclamation of the gospel. It is what so Jesus in Matthew says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them but it's Paul who helps us understand that this is a gospeling act it is a proclamation it is a lifting up of the gospel when we see baptisms well how is that Scott McKnight says it this way in his book the King Jesus gospel Jesus told his disciples uh, his disciples to baptize disciples but it was Paul who explained how baptism was a gospeling act how so Paul saw baptism as being baptized into the death of Jesus and emerging from the waters as being co-raised with Jesus Christ. This act of baptism, pay attention to the, the way he says this, this act of baptism isn't just about personal confession and personal faith. The public act of baptism is in and of itself a public declaration of the saving story of Jesus, if done right. Baptism, Gospels, the Gospel in a public manner. We are celebrating the death and the resurrection of Jesus when we celebrate baptisms. And it means something. We are sitting under. Why do we proclaim the Gospels if not to sit under it and be changed by it? And we need this every day as we are inundated by a culture of self-sufficiency. We need the gospel to form us as people who who just understand that I need Jesus. That it's it's a Christ reliancy that is being built inside of me. So yes, this is what's happening for the person who's being baptized and is being proclaimed now to you so that you can be further changed so that the gospel, gospel uh, excuse me, the, I speak for a living. The gospel, <laughs> the gospel can be proclaimed outside of this place to the rest of this city. I believe that when we proclaim the gospel in this place, the echoes of it have ramifications all across this nation. And that's why we faithfully proclaim the gospel in baptism. The fourth and final point is that baptism is an adoption into a family. One definition of baptism that I read says it this way. Baptism is a Christian sacrament of admission and adoption into the church. In Galatians chapter 3, we see Paul writes, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Jesus. What we are seeing with baptism is an adoption process. And there are a couple of different ways we can parse this this morning. But I think it's important to remember that we were orphans living in a type of community where we were slaves to fear. We were were slaves to our own passions. We were slaves to anger. We were slaves to feelings of isolation and abandonment and rejection. But when we are baptized, this is a form by which we are being adopted into the family of God. And here's my point, that the family of God is not this esoteric concept out in space. It's not just knowledge that we have in our mind. It is a real family here, and you are that family. You, so when people are baptized, as we witness this baptism, we're not just witnessing it as peep, as isolated observers, distant. It's not like we're watching TV and we're watching an adoption process on TV and we're going, that's awesome, good for you. No, it's, it's, more like, it's more like we're at home as brothers and sisters, waiting for God the Father to bring our new brother into the home or our new sister into the house. And the reason this is so important for us this morning is because it means you have responsibility. The body of Christ has responsibility in someone's baptism. It's not just a proclamation of their faith, though it is that. Baptism is a a proclamation and a profession of the baptism participant's faith. Yes, and amen. But it also is a baptism into this family. It's not a baptism into their, this is why it's public. It's for us. It's, so N.T. Wright says it this way. I love it. He says, you are leaving this community and you are joining this community. It's a death to, to that whole identity, its structures and networks, and it is a coming alive to this new one. It's, so what they were before. So we can refer back to Titus, the community of of disobedience, deception, enslaved by all kinds of, that community they are being taken out of. God is rescuing them from that community. And he's instilling them, not in this big thought family. No, he's instilling them here at Antioch Church as your brother and as your sister, which means we have a responsibility to receive. So we're not witnesses, we're receivers. We're receiving them into the family. That's what this is about. This is receiving them into this family. Listen to this, and I'm, and, and I'm bringing this to a close. Listen to this baptism liturgy that I found. Of an, of a, and It was common in, in a number of different traditions. And it exemplifies the understanding of the church's responsibility in baptism. And, and it's formulated as a call and response. And so I have it, I have it up here for you. Uh, if you go ahead, the pastor, call, the pastor will call. So the pastor would turn and he would look to the body of Christ. He'd look to the church body and he would say, do you as Christ's body of the church reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? And the body, everybody would respond together. They'd say, we do. And then it says, the pastor continues. He says, will you nurture one another in the Christian faith? And life, and include these persons now before you in your care. And this is their, the church's response. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We will pray for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. You're not here just to observe baptisms. You're here to receive and to love and to bring into the fold new family members. This morning, Jonathan, if you would come, in just a few minutes we, minutes, we have a couple of individuals who will be participating in the baptism portion of our service. and my invitation is this to you. Uh, my, inv- my invitation to you today is this: that number one, let's submit our hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ as it is proclaimed through this practice. Let's remember, each in our own way, the work of Jesus in your life. Number two, be praying. Be praying for Pastor Jade and for Elise Westby and for Rebecca Lyra as they're being baptized. Pray into the cleansing work of Jesus. Number three, posture your hearts to receive. This is not just I saw this great thing in church today and now I'm going to go on with my life like nothing's changed. No, when a family adopts a new child into their family, it changes everything. And finally, let us choose joy and a spirit of celebration as we participate in baptisms this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, there's so much that you're doing. So much more than we understand. More than these four points. God, you are moving and you're active and you're in this place right now. And so God, we do pray for those being baptized. I pray that, we pray that they would experience you today. They would experience The blood of Jesus. God, we pray that they would be set upon the rock that is Jesus. And Father, we also pray that you would shape us by your gospel message and open our hearts to receive as you receive us into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit antiochcos.com.